Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going this week? Things are good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Getting excited for the Combine coming up. Uh, I guess it's just a few days away now. Uh, and, and and you've got some big news on that front, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, it sounds like we're probably going to do another show between now and then. But Tuesday morning, um, Steelers Radio Network is sending me to the combine, we're going to drive from Pittsburgh. It's about six hours. We have no responsibilities Tuesday, but I guess the Steelers are taking us out to a steak dinner, which sounds fine by me. And then we're doing a three or four hour radio show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I guess like a radio row situation there. So we'll have all kinds of guests and maybe get some players and certainly coaches and scouts and things like that on. Uh, it'll be a blast, but I can't wait. I mean, especially. Because, you know, you go to the bars at night and the restaurants and you see all those people. And honestly, even when I was at ESPN for those 10 years, I rarely went, you know, they rarely sent me anywhere. So I, there's many people like yourself or all these people we've had on, you know, Sigmund Bloom, our first guy, I've never met any of them. So I'm excited to meet more people in the media and that do what we do for a living. I mean, to me, that's one of my most exciting parts. Yeah, that, that'll be a great experience. You'll get some some good insight to share with our listeners. I know it'll maybe give you a leg up on uh, in your dynasty leagues as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, Matt, today we're not going to talk too much about the Combine, but we do have a great guest, one of our new writers over at DLF. He's also a contributor at 2QBs.com. We've got TJ Calkins. TJ, how are you? I'm very well, Ryan. Uh, really glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you on. TJ's been somebody I've been kind of interacting with on Twitter for quite a while now, and we were very fortunate to snatch him up and add him to the DLF team. And today, Matt, we're going to talk about TJ's first article at DLF. It's all about taking over a dynasty orphan. Matt, I know you've got some experience with that as well. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about this over the years, but what, I'm in six dynasty leagues, six or seven. Um, and only two of them were startup situations. And actually, one of the two was, you know, there were three orphan teams. This was Hyperactive 2 that you run. Uh, th- three teams were orphaned. So we had a, you know, a draft just between those three teams. That was fun. But basically, I've taken over some losers. Yeah, and uh, TJ points out, and, and we'll talk more about this, that's usually what, what you end up with when you are taking over an orphan dynasty team. I guess, TJ, before we really get started, what made you want to focus on that as your first article? 
Uh, it's something that I had not done uh, prior to the uh, 15 season. And I took on one orphan and kind of had fun with the complete different challenge of it. And as I mentioned in the article, uh, dynasty teams in a startup tend to take on the personality of the owner and what they're looking for. And you have to completely break down an orphan that you take on before you can start changing it to what you're looking for. It's definitely more of a challenge and it's different. Sorry, Ryan, go ahead. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to say it's a completely different challenge than than a startup draft. And I've done quite a few as well. And, and it really is, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, I guess you could say it. You've got to be an active owner to be able to come into a league like that, a league that's already existing. And, you know, I guess find your spot in that league. And, and that's really what your article is all about. Yes, absolutely. So TJ, along with being in that role of, of taking over an orphan team, I know you're also a commissioner. I don't know if you've had to fill any openings, but uh, I would imagine you probably have. Thinking about thinking about those open teams from the commissioner point of view, how do you go about finding a quality owner? What What is your first step when you're trying to fill uh, an open spot in your dynasty league? Ideally, you want to get someone you've played with before and can vouch for that they're a high-quality owner uh, that stays engaged. When you're filling a spot, you're not necessarily looking at how you view their level of skill or how well they build a team. Uh, you're, you're trying to have someone that's going to be active and involved and enjoyable for the rest of the league. And that's the absolute most important part uh, when you're filling a spot. That's an ideal situation. Uh, won't always be available to you, but that would be the, the best end result. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to mention, you know, since my experiences, and I wanted to ask you about this, Ryan, and you get a lot of the same thing, was when somebody does leave a league that I've been in, I, I used it as an opportunity to get one of my buddies who's not in the business. He's been a, you know, a childhood friend. We're actually going out to dinner tonight. My name, my man, Billy Morris, he's probably listening. Um, you know, he was really in, into our, uh, and very, and probably the best owner in the league in our redraft league and was kind of bored by it. Like I need more. So he'd always kind of you know poke the tires and tell me about Dynasty and Matt, what is this all about? So I got in the league and now he's in like two or three of them with us. You know, it, it, it's caught on like crazy. I trusted him as an owner. I vouched for him, even though he'd never done Dynasty before. And and Ryan, I'm curious if you get this too, but like if somebody leaves, the commissioner will send me an email like, hey, why don't you get some of your friends in the business in the league? You know, like even even if it isn't a, an expert league or anything like that, like, hey, you think Matthew Barry wants to be in it? Like, well, I probably am not going to bug him about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's just that challenge. And I think you always, as an owner in any league, you always want your league to improve, to be the best it can be. And sometimes that means adding owners that people are familiar with, whether it's a writer or somebody they've seen on TV or, or even something like that. Those situations are, are pretty rare though, obviously, and, and, and don't even always work out. I've talked about, I think on here before, that when I was first starting out as a commissioner, I just wanted people that I viewed as, as the biggest names. I thought the bigger the name, the, the better the dynasty player and the better asset they would be to the league. And that's not always the case. Um, you know, sometimes these people with 30,000 followers or 50,000 like you, Matt. I noticed you haven't been asking me lately either. I guess I apply to this situation. 
No, no. The big name guys that, that can't hold their water is where you're going with this. And no, not not at all. I'm just jokers saying. with 51,000 that can't hang. I haven't gotten any invites in a while. I'm just saying those guys are <laughs> those guys are are very busy sometimes. And um, you know what what's a priority to you isn't a, always a priority to someone else. So it's always a challenge to find the right fit in those leagues. TJ, let's go back to I guess the opposite point of view. You're an owner. You're looking for for a new league. First of all, how do you find a good league? That's a question that I get all the time. Just how do I find a league? These people that might not be as active on Twitter, maybe they're not active on the DLF forum or the football guys forum. I don't know if they're like me, they may not have that community of real life friends that, that love dynasty like they do. So how can those people find a league? Well, simply put, uh, just, up their usage of what you mentioned there on the uh, Twitter engagements and the DLF forums. Outside of that, you're going to need a high degree of luck to find a league that you want, I think. No, I agree. You know, when I get that question, I always send people to the DLF forum. You know, there's the help wanted uh, section there where uh, people can advertise any openings they have, or if they're starting a new league potentially. But yeah, like you said, you just have to increase that engagement, build those relationships. and, And when that happens, a lot of times people will come come calling to you with with openings in their leagues i'm, I'm i kind of share the same experiences you know i get a lot of tweets saying i'd really like to try this dynasty thing but i don't know anybody what should i do and i always got in touch with the people with dlf like you said i did the same thing and just sent them that link and i haven't checked out those forums but it sounds like they're pretty helpful you know that still you don't know anybody and you hope nobody's screwing each other over and they're playing for money and stuff but at least it's a start of boy, this is an established league. They're looking for one owner or whatever. But then you, I'm sure you get this too, Ryan, where you get the tweets or uh, an email from somebody saying, hey, we, we have an orphan team. Do you want it? And I'm like, uh, I'm not going into one blind. Yeah, yeah, that, that does happen pretty often. And again, whether you're the commissioner or whether you're just a, a dynasty owner looking to join a new league, it, it's got to be the right fit. TJ, what – what does that mean to you? What is the right fit? If you're an owner looking for a new league, what are some specifics that you're looking for? Uh, the two things that come to mind immediately are the group of people you're playing with. It should be enjoyable. You should like the guys, uh, guys and gals you're playing with, or uh, it should be a specific format. Uh, maybe a rare type of thing uh, like kitchen Cinco or something like that, which is maybe a little too advanced uh, to make a, a solid point there, but uh, just a scoring system or a roster system that isn't really uh, mainstream and is a more rare thing to find that maybe you can find an opening or an orphan in a league that it isn't all that common. I guess this is, as I was preparing for the show, this, this next question is the one that just kept weighing on me and I'm not sure I, I would have a good answer for this. Why do you, why would you encourage somebody to, take over an orphan team rather than just find a, a dynasty startup to join? Oh, the challenge of it. That's, that's really the gist of it. It's uh, taking something that someone else threw away and trying to turn that into a winner. I, be- I would believe that most people's experience starts with startup drafts and maybe not their first, second, third, or fourth, but then they say, okay, I've got the hang of this. Let me try to break this down and build it up from nothing. You know, like, it might not sound fun to the average listener out there. Like, I'd much rather have 
you know, a, a, a level playing field coming in this league, especially if there's money involved. And as opposed to, boy, you just handed me a losing hand and you want me to try to win this poker match. But it's still an awful lot of fun. And there's a lot of pride involved that to go back. And I urge people to do this, too, that if you do take over a team, save exactly what you got. And then two years from now, go look at it and be like, wow, I did some good things here. You know, like, look at the garbage I got dealt and I still turned this into a winner or now I'm one of the most competitive teams in the league. And also, if you do take over a team, just realize you're going to take some lumps. And the other part of it, you get to make so many more deals when yes. you're breaking a team down. And, and plus, people come in the league and they see the fresh fish, too. And they're offering you crazy deals and trying to get a pulse for what you're like. And you're trying to learn what 11 people are like while they're trying to figure out while one person's like. And you get a lot more offers from people you haven't heard. And, you know, it, it makes it... It makes the communication go very quickly. And you're right. There's a lot of deals. And usually somebody that takes over an orphan team is highly active. Yes, exactly right. Uh, or at least they they should be. Should be, right. So let's just follow along with that point. You've joined the existing league. You're taking over the orphan team. TJ, how do you suggest these new dynasty owners or these owners that are new to the league, how can they catch up? You know, the the rest of the league have been – building relationships. They've been playing by this league's set of rules. And like you said, if it's one of these unique leagues that are becoming more and more popular, that's even more of a challenge. How can you play that catch-up game in order to get yourself and your team competitive as quickly as possible? Well, one thing, uh, just for communication's sake, I'd recommend for any and every league is an app like Slack or GroupMe just to have league communication ongoing all the time. Some people don't like to check email often. Uh, other people don't like to share phone numbers for texting or whatnot uh, to discuss trades. So just a, an app of some sort for extra communication within the league, I think, is very helpful. And then just bombard with offers. Uh, if you get a new team, your inbox for trades is going to be full anyway. But uh, if for some reason it's not, just get the offers out there. Get conversations started. It's another conversation to say how people react to maybe not the best trade offers, just start a conversation. But if that's all it is, throw it in the notes. Say, hey, I just want to get the ball rolling here. I think that's big, too, because you don't want to – I'm the new guy in the league, and I threw all these low ball offers out, and everyone just kind of rolls their eyes like, who's the new dude? You know, like, at least put it in the in the comments like, hey, I'm just kicking the tires here. Or, let's, let's start this thing going. You know, I'm not uh, – this isn't written in pen. Yep, 100%. And asking questions, you know, where are you from? Just simple little things uh, when you start talking to the other owners if you're completely unfamiliar with them. And, and TJ, I think it probably goes without saying how important it is to make sure you are have a full understanding of your league's rules. Uh, obviously, that involves reading over the rule document, but then also, like you said, asking questions of the commissioner or uh, other people in the league. But that that's a huge part of joining any league, wouldn't you agree? Oh, very much so. Uh, definitely ask ask your scoring system, and then ask not once but at least twice. Is there anything out of the ordinary? Is there anything that wouldn't be considered standard here uh, that might catch me off guard come rookie draft season or scoring season? Just anything that isn't exactly generic is, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Ryan, you know something that's not out of the ordinary? I bet you have an idea. It's our friends at Loot Crate, of course. And they got a new theme going on. It's a primal theme. 
So if you are on the quest for epic gear, housewares, or collectibles, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month, as always, and cheaper than that when you use our code, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Whether you're shopping for the geek in your life or if you are that geek, Loot Crate is the best surprise that you know is coming. Every month, there's a different theme and new exclusive items you can only get with Loot Crate. Treat yourself every month and give the gift of geeking out to a friend or loved one or to yourself if you are that geek. The roar in the distance is a call. Will you answer it? The month that we're going primal and unleashing the beasts of some of pop culture's most ferocious franchises. This savagely sweet collection has items from Overwatch, Wolverine, Jurassic World, and Predator, amongst others. And as always, their monthly tea and pin. So you have till the 19th of March at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate with the primal theme. And when that cutoff happens, it's over. So this is what you do. You go to lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint, enter the code dynastyblueprint, and you'll save a couple bucks off an already cheap subscription that comes every month. Got to do it. TJ, I think you mentioned in your article that one of your orphan teams that you had taken over included a dispersal draft. Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, in the article, I talked about how less than 5% of orphans that you take on are going to be set up for long-term success that you're not going to have a lot to do with. Uh, in a dispersal, you're probably, I'd say you're over 99% of the time not going to get one of those. So going into the dispersal, you should have a plan whether you're going to go all in Try to win year one, take on aged assets that are just going to get you points. Value is not of concern. You're all in for year one, trying to pay for the future before you blow it up and rebuild it as the way you want it. You'll be able to do that, my estimation, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15% of the time. It's not always going to be an available option. Uh, You can try, but you have to be honest with yourself about what you have. And if you're not being honest with yourself and you try, you're just going to set yourself back another year, possibly two. Uh, the other way to go is just just completely start from the ground floor. Uh, you want youth and picks, youth and picks, youth and picks, and that is it. Your roster composition does not matter at all. You are just trying to acquire young assets as cheaply as possible and as many as possible and just let those bloom as far as their careers progress. Ryan, it's really interesting. You know, the, I mentioned that that hyperactive two league that I took over – there was a three-team dispersal. I drew the first pick, which means I then get the sixth pick, seventh pick. And anyone in the world would have taken Odell number one. But I remember I took Odell. The second owner just went old, win now, completely. The third owner was, like, trying to ride the fence, and I went totally young. Like, all three of us took very distinctly different paths. And it almost like we – as we were picking, it was almost like – well, I know this guy's not going to take my young guy, you know, you know, like, and he knew that I wasn't going to steal Adrian Peterson off him or those type of things. So it, it became very obvious immediately what everyone's intentions were. Yeah, it's, it does seem to fall into place like that. And, and just to take a step back for those folks who may not be aware, maybe haven't participated in one of these. So a dispersal draft uh, happens when you have more than one new owner in a league. So if you have two or three open teams, you fill those with, with new owners and rather than saying, you know, TJ was the first one. So he gets to pick whichever team he wants. You take all three new owners, you take all three or you take all the assets from all three of those 
open teams and you basically throw them into a draft. So it's, it's just a smaller draft, a smaller version of a startup, usually with two teams, sometimes uh, three or even four, depending on how much turnover you have in your league. I think it's, it's a great way to really re-energize the league. Most of those dispersals are happening around this time of year when folks have stepped away and new owners are coming in. So really usually between the Super Bowl and I guess between the, up until the NFL draft, really. But all those players are available. The picks that those teams own are available. And TJ, like you said, it really lets you choose your path of am I going – Youth heavy, am I going to try to win now maybe before I, I do go into that, that rebuilding stage? So I just love the dispersal drafts. I, another key point is, at least in my leagues, I don't, I don't know how you do it, TJ, but I allowed the other owners to trade into the dispersal draft. Oh, wow. That's fine. So if there's, you know, if, if there's a player that they want to target, they can trade one of their players or their picks and jump into the dispersal as well. Yes, that's 100% the way to do it. Uh, I feel like it, it's so much more engaging for the remainder of the league uh, that was probably missing two or three or four owners, like you said, uh, for a couple of months, and those whole rosters were just sitting stagnant. So it just gives gives the ability to uh, to have everyone in the league get pretty much just get a fair shot at each asset there. Let's take another step forward now. So you've taken over the spot in the league. You have your team, either a team that you have inherited and and claimed or maybe one you formed yourself through a dispersal draft. TJ, I'm thinking the next step is you've got to figure out what you have, assessing where your team stands. How would you go about that? The very first thing, and I just could never stress this enough, be very honest with yourself about what you have. It isn't better just because you own it now. I promise it isn't. We've all been there. We all had to learn from it. But just be very honest about what you have, and you'll have a much easier time making your decision and moving forward and getting yourself into that profitability range as soon as possible. The one thing I've really noticed, and it's not as, obviously not as true with dispersal drafts because you have a lot more say in who you end up you know, starting with. But if I took over an orphan, step one for me wasn't – Boy, okay, these are my great assets. It was more more like these dudes need to go. You know, like I, I immediately when I took over a team was, all right, there's these handful of targeted players just can't be on my team. I mean, I remember taking over a team and Cedric Benson was on there at the end of his career. I'm like, why? This guy has to go. I don't care what I get for him. He is not going to be on my roster. And maybe that's not the best business, but that's making it your own right away that I would never have this dude on my team. I'm going to get whatever I can. He's got to go. Exactly right. Uh, and that's part of the personality of the owner thing. Don't keep a guy just because someone else says, well, maybe you should. I mean, shop for value, but don't be a stickler for it. Uh, get rid of the things you don't want. You know, one other thing I wanted to add on a little bit of dispersal strategy. When you're making your own rankings uh, for how you're going to attack the dispersal whether two or three teams four teams also include the adp on the available assets and where you think they're likely to go amongst the other guys uh granted it's only two three guys drafting but there can still be value and if you have three people you might have four picks in between your pick 
maybe reach for the guy you want to make sure you have. Like I said, it's only four picks or four total assets that's, that are going to go before you can pick again. Just try to have an idea of the order of the assets that are going to go off the board and how you want to attack getting those. I think that's a, that's a great point as well. Uh, the other thing I like to do when I've taken over a new league or a new team is taking not only a good long look at my own roster and trying to be honest, like you said, TJ, but also looking at everyone else's roster, getting a feel for who are the contenders, who are the teams that are maybe re- rebuilding themselves, uh, looking back at the history of the league. If you play on my fantasy league, that's a pretty easy thing to do. Look at the past year's leagues find out who's made the playoffs in recent years, who are the teams that like to trade a lot. Uh, all of those things are available in that history on My Fantasy League, which is another great option, another reason you should play with those guys for sure. But just anything you can do to get to get a good feel for the league, for your competitors, and, and give yourself a chance to turn that team into a winner. Oh, 100%. If you don't have every single team and every single one of your league's power rank from top to bottom for the upcoming season or two, that's probably something to get on immediately. Uh, If you're buying a future pick, they're not all created equal. Obviously, we know uh, when we're looking at a future late first, a future early first, uh, the pricing is going to be totally different. And if you see a team differently than the rest of the league, you can really hop on a value like that. Doing the power ranks in my league, like you mentioned, TJ, I used to use our Dynasty ADP at DLF. But lately I've found that using that redraft ADP, whether it's MFL 10s or whatever it might be, that gives you a better idea of the short-term value of, of each team and what they might be thinking for just for that upcoming season. So you may have a nice roster filled with lots of high upside and youth and, and whatever, and that might be exciting. But again, you have to be honest with yourself and, and that might, you know, you might not have a contender that upcoming season. Yes, correct. I, I mean, if it's an up and coming team, say it's got every single player from 20 to 40 in ADP, but they're all first and second year players that maybe haven't hit their stride yet. And you end up with a four nine team there uh, that's likely to be somewhere in the 10 and three neighborhood the following year. Um, obviously, I'm just using extreme hypotheticals here. Just because there are high-end assets on, on a team does not mean that the team is going to perform in a one-year window at a high end. So you've you've taken over the team. You have familiarized yourself with your team, your league. What are the first moves, the first transactions that you're actually looking to make? Where Where would that start for you, TJ? Well, Matt touched on this already a little bit. Shop the guys that you just do not want. You figure out what what you can get. You shop it around. You get in contact with each owner. And just the guys that you wouldn't own under any other circumstance, no matter what, get them off your team. You'll feel better for it, first of all. Kick the can down the road. Move that into a future asset. Uh, That would be the preferred method. Or an undervalued young player somewhere in that neighborhood. But uh, get rid of the guys you hate, first step. I mean, in some cases, it's a fourth-round pick or just uh, addition by subtraction. This guy needs to go. Yes, 100%. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Matt. I was I was looking back at an orphan team I took over, and this was actually nearly 10 years ago. Uh, again, a plug for MFL. I was, I was able to look 
look back to the 2008 season and see some of the trades I made when I took over this orphan team and some of the draft picks I made. And, and what stood out to me is I was trading players for fifth and sixth round picks. This, this wow. league had a, a deep rookie and free agent draft. So I was trading guys for fourth and fifth and sixth round picks, which right now seems, you know, I almost think like, why would you bother? But, those, you know, those picks can add up. There's a better chance, you know, depending on what player we're talking about, like you said, Cedric Benson, Matt, you know, if you're talking Cedric Benson at the end of his career versus a fifth round pick, give me, give me the pick and let me just see what happens. I, I guess my point from that would be there's, there's no asset, be it a pick or a player you're taking a chance on that is, that is too small. It could, it could add up. It could be the right deal for your team. And not to mention, I mean, to piggyback off that, obviously when you get in the league too, you're going to hit the waiver wire hard. I mean, and not just don't just sort it by who scored points. I mean, look from A to Z, every player that's not on a team right now. And if there's five of them that you think, boy, I wouldn't mind having him, and then you dump Cedric Benson for fourth-round pick, well, then you, you also get something else with it too. I mean, you get that roster spot, go get the young dude that's a backup or, you know, whatever, somebody you like that's, that's free right now. Yes, absolutely. What I was getting at with that, also use every tool at your disposal. If you're rebuilding, I'm using one specific example of an orphan from last season. Uh, the league has waivers completely closed in the offseason until after the rookie draft. And that's when the majority of the FAAB budget gets spent. From our point of view, it was a 16-team league with uh, deep rosters, 30-man rosters. So the only asset that was available that we could see was Chris Hogan. Scott Barrett is my partner on this team, so that's who I mean when I say we. We just spent our entire budget on him. We bought him. We sold him for a 17-second. So we basically just took our free agent budget and kicked it out for a future draft pick. That's great. Yeah, and, and you would do that every day. If you could trade oh, yeah. trade waiver money for a second-round pick, especially in uh, one like this upcoming class, that's a great move to make. TJ, when you're, when you're building that team, and as you mentioned in your article, we're talking so much about building and rebuilding these teams because when you take over orphans, they're not. And speaking of those moves, TJ, is there a specific position you would start with? Are you, uh, are you looking at wide receiver first? I guess what's your mindset about that? In a perfect world, uh, I think you're going to fill running back and quarterback last. Uh, they're probably the easiest to come by for production, and the running back lifespans are short or shorter in comparison. So I, I would definitely target wide receiver and tight end first. Uh, wide receiver just because of we know the value of the wide receiver position in the dynasty format, and tight end generally comes the cheapest. Uh, targeting second-year tight ends is one of my favorite dynasty pastimes. The tight end position generally takes two years to develop, and you can often buy a young tight end entering the second year after a disappointing rookie year uh, than you could have by ADP drafting that tight end in the rookie draft the year before. Which, I on think a side note, I'm very excited to buy this year's rookie tight end class next offseason. No, there you go. <laughs> I think that's a great – strategy point in general, regardless if you're rebuilding a team, taking over an orphan or whatever it might be. So Hunter Henry has uh, kind of played himself out of that, uh, out of that 
strategy, I think. But what about a guy like uh, like Tyler Higby? Is he a guy you're you would be buying at this point? Or Hooper? Uh, Hooper is exactly where I was going to go, Matt. Uh, Higby, I wasn't really a fan of, but yes, very much Hooper. Uh, if we're going down into the Higby range, uh, there's a couple of less talked about guys that I'm higher on. Just uh, to drop a couple, Nick Vanette. Uh, he's got the draft stock. Uh, Jimmy Graham is very fragile, as we know. So uh, Vanette could become an every snap tight end. Luke uh, Wilson's Graham. a free agent, too. I mean, which yep. could open up a spot for him, bump him up. And then uh, Seth DeVal. We know, uh, we know what his spark profile is, and we know he can, he can definitely be a receiving tight end. So that, more so than Higby, uh, those were, would be the guys I'd be looking to pick up from waivers or acquire for very, very cheap. What about the Adams kid in New York? You like him at all? Uh, the situation's good. I, as a player, I'm not. I, I like both uh, Vanette as an inline guy whose snap volume could make him viable, and then Devalve I like much better as a as a pass catcher. But uh, in New York, there's not a whole lot of competition there. So if they don't draft one, then uh, I, I'd be looking at him a lot harder after the NFL draft if the Giants don't invest there. They have to, though. I mean, they're tight ends. I think so, too. Yeah. So, TJ, we want to end end this show with, I guess, just a dose of reality. So, uh, and, and this is something you kind of mentioned in your article as well. In a typical orphan situation, a team that you have taken over, how soon can you expect to contend and compete for not only a playoff spot, but maybe even a league title? I want to preface by saying uh, you don't ever want to compete for a playoff spot. Um, if you're mediocre, it's the dynasty league football is much like the NBA and basketball where mediocrity is just an ongoing curse that just keeps renewing itself. I would say put a full two years into a commitment to not winning or and I don't mean tanking. I, you should always put in your best lineup no matter what. The productive struggle. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> you know, give yourself two years. And the goal is sustained success. You don't want to have a team that's one and done. You want to have a team that's the favorite going into the league year every single year. You're going to build a dynasty. You don't want to build a, a, a Houston Texans team that goes 8-8 eight eight every year. I mean, you want to build a dynasty. You want to be the Patriots. You want to compete for Super Bowls. You know I mean? And if that means yeah. taking an extra year or two to get to that point or you inherit a, a team that wasn't awful and you look at it and say, oh, wow, maybe I can win 50 60% of the games this year and who knows if I get in the playoffs, it still might be smart to take a step back and get rid of some assets for picks and really build a dynasty. Yes, exactly right. Uh, do what the Cleveland Cavaliers did. You, you draft your Kyrie, you draft your Tristan Thompson – then once you're ready, uh, you go ahead and you spend the equity you got. You bring in your LeBron and your Kevin Love, and you're ready to win. Nothing to you it. have the assets to do it. Not you a lot of LeBrons it, out there, though. You make it sound <laughs> easy. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, TJ. We really appreciate it. Some really good insight. And uh, if you haven't already, make sure you go read his article on Dynasty League football. It's the first of many, and I look forward to – to reading more of your work and, and working with you, TJ. I'm really glad to have you aboard our team. Just go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find your work. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. This was fantastic. 
you can find my work at dynastyleaguefootball.com and 2qbs.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TJ Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S. And uh, I'm always on there. Would be happy to answer questions and interact. And I hope to talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>